Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader, and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult, and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 31 of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Vivek Kana, and Vivek is the president and chief client partner of Niamo Inc., Uh, Vivek has over 30 years of experience in sales and business development as the founder, president and chief client partner of a focused global payroll and EOR company leading their sales and corporate development activity. Vivek leads a team of over 65 sales professionals globally to win new logos. Uh, Some of Vivek's existing clients and Rolodex include leaders in healthcare, service providers, engineering and financial services firms. And some of the specialties that Vivek brings is identifying customers for HR outsourcing, creating a plan and process for acquiring these customers, hiring and mentoring a team for acquisition, creating networks for generation of leads, aligning internal teams for servicing prospects, responding to RFP, structuring financial business case, presenting solutions to clients, negotiating and closing multi-year contracts. Well, it's wonderful to have you on the podcast. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Uh, Thank you for joining me, Vivek. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me on the podcast. My pleasure. Yeah, it's wonderful. I'm really looking forward to our chat. My background before I focused in on leadership was actually initially in, in sales and uh, and so I think we share just based on our quick conversation before we started recording. I, I get the sense that your philosophy and and my philosophy are very um, aligned. So I'm really excited to hear you talk about um, something that I think is really misunderstood a lot of the time, which is what it what it truly means to bring value to to clients. So we will get into that. But first, why don't you give our listeners a bit of context for uh, for Niamo, the organisation that uh, that you founded with. Um, uh, along with your business partners. So give us a bit of context into Niamo and your role that you play at the company. Sure. So um, General Niamo was established back in 2009, 12 years ago, with a very clear vision. Um, we realized at that point of time that there was a market opportunity as there were not enough or the right providers that could help multinationals. So companies that were present in more than one, two, five, 10, 20, 50, 100 countries manage their HR population and provide HR solutions. Of course, over the last 12 years, we've grown um, and been true to that vision. So all of our customers today are multinationals and that's all uh, we focus. Now, over the period of time, we have focused on the core area, we realized that the area which the multinationals were struggling the most was in paying their employees globally. Now, most people have used localized solutions, of course, to pay employees, but large multinationals found that when they were paying employees locally, they didn't have transparency in regard to compliance, they did not uh, have harmonized processes, that there was no standardization on the data flows, reporting was difficult, employee experience was um, 
not similar. So all of the companies that have launched and of course rolled out global HRIS systems like success factors or Workday or Oracle Fusion or Ultimate Kronos, you name them, the large um, cloud-based HRIS systems. Once they have rolled them out globally, they have looked to now extend that into what is now known as a global payroll platform. And Niamo today is a market leader uh, providing a single application, a single platform that can process payroll in 150 countries with over 100 of those countries natively on its own cross to net engines. So it brings a whole different world of uh, employee experience, compliance transparency, as well as uh, consolidated reporting for large multinationals. An extension of that service also is what is known as employer of record or EOR. And this is essentially for a multinational that is opening into or is looking to go into a new geography. As you know, going into a new geography itself is difficult. And then if you have to hire, let's say your first employee, you really are not sure whether you should create a new entity just to hire this new employee. And, or if you will not last in that geography, then do you, when you let the person go, what do you do with the new entity that you've created? So company like Niamo brings in an entity and acts as that mediator between the multinational and the new geography employee so that we can enable them to quickly hire and deploy talent anywhere on the globe. So we can, we can do this in all the 150 countries that we already service for large enterprises. So that's what Niamo does. We basically help um, multinationals deploy HR solutions for their employees globally and more specifically in paying those employees. Yeah, fantastic. That's a very clear explanation. I can see why you're the chief client partner. <laughs> you're uh, no, that's um, that's a wonderfully clear explanation. I can see how that must be a big problem that multinationals have, and and maybe before Niamo didn't realize there was a solution, and you come in and say, actually, there's a much much easier way to do this extremely complicated. Uh, process through our software. Absolutely. And in our case, it's, uh, you know, it's not just a software. Uh, it is a software backed by services mm. and the services that are deployed and pr provided from 50 different locations globally today. Wow. Our corporate aim is to be in hundred countries with our own uh, infrastructure. We are in 50 today. So we aim to be in 100 countries with our own infrastructure so that not only we have the software, but then the on the ground presence uh, to enable and service our clients. I love that. That's a wonderfully clear vision as well. So uh, thank you for giving us a bit of a picture into Niamo. Now tell us a little bit about Vivek. Tell us your story, uh, some of the specific moments that really led to you becoming the leader you are today. Uh, so, you know, I'm an accountant by profession. Um, I was motivated by an uncle of mine um, because I wanted to join the family business. And he laid it down as like a rule that I, he would not allow me to join the business unless I completed a professional um, education and I chose to become a chartered accountant. 
uh, in those days because it, it it gave me the opportunity to learn how businesses run um, and understand the financial aspects. Now, I have never practiced as an accountant from the day I graduated as one. Um, that was back in 88, so nearly 30, 33 years ago. Um, but that education has still has stood by me very well throughout my career as a salesperson because I can understand the business value and I can articulate that business value to the client that I am speaking to. Um, and um, so, yeah, from an accountant and uh, running the family business, and then I, then the internet bug caught me and then I went into the corporate world, spent 10 years with a corporation, um, roamed the world with them, um, you know, acquired relationships. And then I was fortunate enough to meet some excellent people along with whom we were able to fund Niamo in 2009. Um, and since then, I have uh, led initially as the only salesperson on the team, and then now um, slowly growing the sales team uh, today that uh, acquires and ensures that we continue to grow our revenues. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a wonderful uh, snapshot of your career. And I, I appreciate hearing about how your accounting degree and understanding how a business works really positioned you for sales. That's not a correlation you often hear. You'll be surprised actually, uh, the number of people um, that are from that accounting background. Well, the most common ones that people don't think of as salespeople, but are essentially salespeople are two people in the function. Mm. One are investment bankers, corporate bankers, and financial advisors. All three of them are sales functions. Investment bankers sell investment banking deals to corporations. Uh, corporate bankers are selling corporate uh, solutions to uh, corporations. And financial advisors are selling financial products to uh, individuals. All three are actually salespeople. Yeah, true. That's, I've never thought about that. That's, uh, that's such a good point. Um, and when it, comes to, when it comes to sales as chief client partner, what, what do you see as some of, the, some of the biggest misunderstandings in sales when you look at companies around, around the world? And um, when it comes to selling, is there anything in particular where you see uh, companies are, are, are making mistakes or you see an opportunity for growth in how organizations sell? Is there anything that from your experience, starting with just yourself, now leading a large team where you go, oh, if companies could just do this better from experience, that, that really leads to uh, a great um, culture of selling and selling for value. Correct. So generally it depends upon what you're selling, right? If you are selling a widget, you're selling a very well-defined product um, then your approach is very different. Um, the customer is very well aware about what you are selling to them. The length, the breadth, the scope, the dimensions of what you are selling um, is very clear. The feature set is very clear. Um, and uh, the process requires a very different kind of salesperson. When you are in my world, when you are trying to sell a solution, um, of course, driven by technology, 
But the solution around a service that the corporation is running internally, and they have to transition that to an external party, especially in situations where it might affect multiple stakeholders from their internal staff to their technology landscape, to their employees and all the way to the corporation, to the CFO on how they get transparency to the compliances and are able to justify the reports, et cetera. Uh, it is a very different kind of sales process. Um, in my world, a, a normal sales team, um, it's, it's a team, it's not one person. And they work for anything from six to 24 months sometimes between the time we start engaging with the customer and by the time the customer actually contracts. So in, in our world, we have to step into the customer's shoes to understand what would truly make sense for the customer and be a trusted advisor guiding them through this process. Because you have to also understand in my world, there is no short-term contract. Most of my contracts are at least three years typically wow. five to seven years. So you're <laughs> entering into a very long-term relationships and you can't lie into those relationships, right? So what typical people yes. think that salespeople fib and lie and they don't tell you the truth doesn't apply in my world. In my world, you have to be upfront. You have to educate the customer as to what the possibilities are, right? They may not be aware. So you have to educate them about the possibilities and guide them towards what is possible as well as enlighten them as to the risks that might they might encounter and how those are to be mitigated through this journey. So it is that upfront ability to speak like a trusted advisor, which is very, very important. And hence, when you step into the customer's shoes and start thinking like the customer, then you devise solutions that are a win-win. Of course, nobody is going to sell something where they don't make money, right? We have yeah. a fiduciary responsibility towards our stakeholders, which are not only our shareholders, but also our employees and our vendors and our partners, because we have to earn the revenue and profits for them. So in and and, and our clients neither expect to get a cheap deal. Actually, most customers are more than happy to pay a very fair and sometimes even an unfair price to get great service. So I've, I've never really been worried about that aspect. I'm more interested in working with my customer to ensure that I create a solution that they can live with for a very, very long time. Mm, that's a wonderful perspective. And I think that's, a, that's the correct perspective for sales, like you're saying, is to come in. It does depend on what you're selling. But I think like you're saying to come in and, uh, and, and knowing that your contracts are so, are so long, of course, it only reinforces a, uh, the, the truth in what you're saying, which is to, to start off as a trusted advisor. I, I love what you said about putting yourself in, in the customer's shoes. Are there any tactics you use? Is there anything that you've picked up to either internally for yourself understand that what it's like in the customer's shoes or to ask particular questions to understand what it's like to be in your customer's shoes? Well, you know, you know, um, 
there is a sales trainer by the name Mahan Khalsa, M-A-H-A-N, Khalsa is K-H-A-L-S-A, uh, part of the Stephen Covey group. And I came across his book um, maybe 15 years ago, and it made a tremendous difference to the way I would approach with customers. Um, and his entire uh, story was around uh, consultative selling and how do you work with a customer um, to try and help them peel back the onion. Now, I know it's, it's used very often, this word, right? Peeling the onion. It's not easy, right? Um, customers don't open up unless they trust you. And you have to earn their trust through various ways and means. It comes through knowledge, uh, being able to understand their business, being able to relate to their business vis-a-vis -vis the service that they're looking for, uh, being, bring forth um, examples on how it has worked with other customers, et cetera. So you do multifarious activities to earn the trust of the person, both at a professional and sometimes at a personal level, right? And once you have earned that trust, and it doesn't mean that this is an elongated period, it could happen in half an hour, sometimes, and sometimes it might take a few meetings, but once you've earned the trust, then you start questioning each aspect of the process and ask them, why this, why not this? Have you thought about this? Have you looked at this aspect? Um, so if you are, for example, in our world, you are looking at a consolidated payroll. Um, have you looked at how the input should come in? Uh, what are the different systems? How, how would implementing the solution affect your local teams today, right? Um, are you ready to yes. look at the redundancies that might occur? Have you thought through how a, a regional person would react? Have you looked at how the change management? So as you start asking these various questions, different aspects uh, that would affect that project then start to come out beyond just what I am selling to them. They know I'm going to give them a global payroll solution. But unless they are able to verbalize uh, both their requirements as well as the known and unknown risks, you will not be able to create a solution uh, that will fit their needs better. Yeah, that's uh, and, and is that book? Is it Let's Get Real? Is that the book yes. that? Yeah, yep. wonderful. Yeah, uh, so I would strongly encourage you uh, to look at it. Um, um, I had read that book and then um, when I was in the earlier company, I was fortunate enough to suggest him and our company got him in for a one day training session, which was, which was pretty good to listen to him. Um, yeah. Rebirth what he had spoken in the book. Yeah. Fantastic. That's a great one to, I'll definitely be adding that, uh, adding that to my list. Let's get real. That looks like a, a great a great book. Are there any other books around uh, around selling, but also around business or leadership that you find, Vivek, you tend to gift to other people? So it's a book that, um, you know, you would buy a few copies and you'd give them to your team or to a young leader. Are there any books that you tend to gift more than others? Um, two books. Um, one is um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, yeah. Um, but um, surprisingly, there is an updated version. If you have not 
read the updated one. I, of course, have read that book multiple times yeah. uh, in my life, uh, of course, starting with the original one. And now there's an updated version, which also um, looks at those principles and applies them to the modern world, including social media, which I thought was very, very interesting, how they applied those principles uh, in the world of social media. Um, and then, of course, the Bhagavad Gita, um, which is a sweet or it's not really a religious book. It's a book about life. Yeah, wonderful. Um, there are a couple of uh, fantastic recommendations. Thank you for, for mentioning those. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to zoom in on the trusted advisor sales process because I know there will be some leaders listening who don't have a sales background who know maybe it's new or maybe it's been there for a while, but part of their position description is to really, um, maybe it's to find some new significant accounts or to, or to further develop existing ones. If you were sitting down with, uh, in particular, a young leader who said, Vivek, help me, uh, I really need to, to hone and grow in this part of my role in terms of working with clients, what would be one or two key tips you'd give them when it comes to uh, doing sales and client relationships really well? Um, so in my mind, there are two parts. The first part is, um, is understanding what your customer wants to buy. In my mind, that's the most difficult part of the sales cycle. Most of us know what we want to sell because it's internal to us. We've created something, either a software product or a service or a physical product, anything that we think you know, might sell. But the question is, is the customer wanting to buy that? And not too many people spend time or iterate with various situations to figure out what their customers are wanting to buy. What are they willing to pay money for, right? Because yeah. that's what buying means, right? They're willing to part with something so mm -hmm. that you can provide that service, uh, whatever it might be. Now, the question is, that's the most difficult part of sales because once you've figured out what they want to buy, after that, then it becomes into a widget because then every part of your pitch to the customer resonates right away when you tell them what you, you are selling they immediately can relate to it, right? So yes. spend the time to talk to your customers, understand what are they buying? Why are they buying that? How can you make what you uh, service as a, either as a product or solution fit into that landscape? Or for that matter, how will it make their life different? The old adage, pain or gain, right? It yes. is always true. But the most important part is figuring out what the customer wants to buy um, and, and is willing to pay for. Can I the just ask part, you, can I just ask you before you jump to the second part, because this is fantastic. And I know listeners will be thinking of the same question. Are you able to give an example of maybe from your business of, of what it is that you might be initially thinking, well, this is what we're selling, but you've learned that this is really what customers are buying um, and how an example of, of that, is there something that comes to mind to, I guess, to make it a bit more tangible for people? Absolutely. So I'll give you an example. One of our service lines outside payroll uh, is, and it's, it's a different line of business, 
um, that we built over the last is is running background checks, right? Um, yes. But basically, this is a process when a company hires a new employee, and before they formalize the relationship, they ask the employee to sign a consent form, and then they run a check on everything that the employee proposed to them in part of the resume, saying, okay, this is the person who I am. Um, I am telling you that I do or don't have a criminal record. Somebody can sometimes say they, they had a uh, you know, connection with the law, and which is fine, as long as they've been truthful. Um, and then, then comes to, oh, I went to school here, or I've, I have worked with these employers before, and this is my experience, et cetera. So companies typically outsource this work. Um, originally, the conception in the world was that most people thought that this was an investigative process, right? And it's still misconceived as an investigative process from an employee's perspective. Mm. Oh, so they're going, to, they're going to check into my background. It has a very investigative theme to it. We realized very quickly after we had launched the service that the employers were not looking at an investigation, but they were actually looking at a process by which they could ensure few things. They were looking to ensure that the person was a person of integrity, which means he had presented everything correctly, and that the information um, enabled them to take a decision whether or not that person would be a threat at their workplace. So nothing beyond that. It was very, very simple, and they were looking at speed. So most customers were not looking at somebody spending days and days trying to investigate the new employee, but they were looking at speed at which they could deliver. And a classic example in our industry of a company figuring that out even better than us is a company called Checker. Um, you'll be surprised that in the US, um, most uh, background check providers take at least a day uh, to run a criminal record because everything is electronic, but sometimes it takes up to one to three days for them to run a full check. Even in Australia, it takes that much time. But um, the gig economy companies didn't have that much time. They needed to make a decision reasonably quickly whether or not they were able to bring on that person to be either an Uber driver or a DoorDash delivery person or, yeah. uh, uh, or a part-time person at a, a place. They needed to do this very quickly. And uh, Checker focused on that. They realized what the customer was looking to buy. And they focused on building a solution that, that is extremely rapid. It may not be as perfect as what some of the other providers provide. So it was all a, a matter of statistical risk um, appetite. Some of these companies had a greater risk appetite and they were okay if you were 95% correct and they didn't need to be 99% correct. And, um, yes. and hence created the solution to deliver the same service, which is 95% correct. Whereas another company like Boeing wants it to be 99% correct and they're willing to pay and wait time. Same service, but the customer is wanting to buy something different. So if you are a provider who does everything in three days or five days, seven days, or more investigative, and if you were to go to a gig economy company, they will throw you out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's a fantastic so it's the same, example. Same service, but it just depends on what, um, you know, what is the customer looking to buy? Cars, right? Yes, you can you can you can make a Toyota, you can make a Mercedes Benz. Both cars sell, but you can't sell a Toyota to a Mercedes Benz buyer. You can't sell 
um, a Mercedes went to a Toyota buyer. You have to know what your customer look, is wanting to buy. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like that example of uh, really what, what you're saying is around the background check. There were some customers and they wanted to buy speed. They didn't want to buy depth. Uh, they didn't want to buy, you know, this really long, deep investigative process Correct. for them. It was just wanting to minimize risk and speed was really what they wanted to buy. And so Checker went and made sure that they were selling a product that fit uh, based on speed. That's that's a great example. So what's the second part of your um, thoughts on that, Vivek? So the second part is on client relationships, right? And Client relationships, in my mind, or at least in my experience, is built on being true. You cannot be fake and build client relationships. Most people yeah. who are in account management are typically very, very true and honest people. It, it doesn't mean that you have to go overboard and... Uh, you know, talk about things that don't need to be talked about, but you you normally never lie uh, to your uh, to your customer. Yeah. Uh, because then, uh, once the customer knows that you are lying and loses trust, you will never be able to build a relationship. It's like any relationship in life, right? It's like when you build, you have a friend, you innately trust that person that that person will tell you the truth and will will think in your benefit. So as an account yes. management person or a salesperson, you have to say, this person is a friend of mine and I have to look after their uh, interests. Again, you know, I'll give you a, a, a simple example of this scenario. Um, you know, pick up, Pick a good luxury chain, right? A Ritz Carlton, um, um, World of Astoria, Fairmont, pick any of these chains, right? Yeah. When you go into these hotels, um, the hotel already knows when you check in that you have the capacity to pay for their fees and charges. After that, any service that they provide to you, they don't think about the fact that will you pay for it or not, or they don't nickel and dime you, right? So if you if they serve you a cup of coffee, you will notice that when you, if you, let's say you go to a regular hotel and buy a cup of coffee, they'll just give you a coffee. But if you buy a coffee at a Ritz-Carlton, it will always come with a biscotti. Mm. They have thought about what does it mean to make you happy beyond just giving what you wanted. And that's why people keep going back there, back and back again, and paying $20 for a cup of coffee that they can buy for two. Yeah, so exceeding, finding a way to exceed expectations. Correct. So in client relationships, if you start thinking for the client and you start looking for ways to do that extra, the client automatically then starts to rely on you and then doesn't question you when you come back with sometimes a request that, you know, typically other client would just drop off because they mm. know if you're doing that, you're most probably doing it for their benefit. So yeah, long-term relationships are in my mind built on these principles of being truthful. Again, as I keep saying, 
step into the client's shoes and keep asking what would I want if I was in his shoes? What would I want from this person? What would I want from this relationship? Always being ready to acknowledge that if the client has contracted with you, they are more than willing to pay for your services. Otherwise, they would have not contracted with you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's uh, that's a really great explanation and, and a couple of really good points around don't just focus on what you sell, actually understand, do the work required to understand, which in my experience sometimes means whiteboarding with your team and actually thinking really carefully. It can, it can actually be very challenging, but once you understand what the client wants to buy, and then the second part is to focus on that relationship, build trust, exceed expectations. And then what will happen is when you do have a request that ordinarily someone else might uh, might not want to take you up on or not want to give you time for, they'll actually listen because you've built that relationship and that trust. That's, uh, that's wonderful, Vivek. Um, just as we wrap up, did you have any final thoughts for listeners? Um, well, the final thought uh, in my mind too, one is that if you intend to be a sales leader or leadership in sales is leading from the front, it's not management. It is not a people management job. Um, at least it's my value. Um, if you are a sales leader, yeah. you, the best of the sales leaders are the ones that um, are the ones who sit with clients along with their sales teams, whether it be their um, the account man, executive or their uh, you know, regional managers or national managers. They work with them and the salesperson knows that, you know, push comes to shove, your sales leader will be there to help him close. So it's a leadership job, not a management job. Um, and um, the, the second part uh, in my mind is sales is not for everyone. Um, it's a very fun job. It's a great job. Um, uh, and you truly can enjoy yourself in this job but uh, only if you like being with people and, and enjoy the hunt of being able to work with um, things that are intangible, work with rejection, etc. If you're not that kind of person, don't waste your time coming into this profession because uh, it will disappoint you more than um, give you happiness. But if you're the kind of person that truly enjoys traveling, likes to meet people, uh, likes to understand people, uh, likes to step into their shoes and is willing to go a, a mile further, then come to sales. It's, it's a great profession. It's, it's a very satisfying profession, both professionally and personally. Yeah, that's, that's very, uh, very well said, Vivek. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. I know this would have been helpful, particularly for those who maybe just this week, you've been thinking, how can I, uh, how can I really develop this part of my business or this part of my team or this part of my own leadership around sales? I think there's been some great uh, thought to, thoughts today. Don't forget, we also have a couple of other podcasts you can listen to, the John O. White Leadership Podcast, where I give you specific content on leadership. 
And the leadership question of the day, we'll ask you a different leadership question every day. So make sure you look those up and subscribe because they'll, uh, they'll also help you in your leadership. But I just want to finish by saying a big thank you to Vivek Kana. Uh, Vivek, thank you so much for, for coming on. It's been great to chat about sales. Uh, great to, to hear your wisdom. And I think a lot of people are going to go and think a little bit differently when they, when they go and meet with a client this week in their organization. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, John. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking to you. And um, I hope whatever uh, tips and suggestions I made are valuable to someone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57 page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage consultclarity.org right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I, I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and, and please do that. And look for me, Jono White, 
or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. 